All right, well, we're gonna jump into the word. Wanna be, uh, uh, use all of our time well here, and I've got a lot of stuff that I wanna go through. So if you're gonna follow along in your Bible, we're gonna be in two passages of scripture this morning. We're gonna be in 1 Timothy 6, and we're also going to be in Matthew chapter 6. If you don't have a Bible, that's okay. All the scriptures will be up here on the screens. We have been in a series called All This Church Wants Is My Money. And I'm batting clean up. This is the end of that series. We will finish it up today. Next Sunday, we will have a one-off service, which means that who knows what's gonna be preached. But we do know who is gonna be preaching. It is the incomparable Pastor Roger Sims. So you want to be here next week and uh, hear what Pastor Roger has to say. So uh, what I'm going to be giving you this morning is actually coming from uh, my own experience. Um, I know that I usually get up here and I start with a story and it's usually... uh, usually a comical story or something like that just to get you laughing, just to get you engaged. But I'm gonna tell you a story this morning that that comes from my life and it was anything but funny at the time. In uh, the year 2011 when I was the youth pastor here at the church, uh, we had just come back from a mission trip to Costa Rica. So that was in June, 1st of July of 2011, and the first day that I was headed back to work, I used to own a media studio, I was co-owner of a media studio, and as I was going back to work, the Lord spoke up in my heart, and he said, if you weren't going to glow in the dark, which was the name of the studio, if you weren't going to glow in the dark, where would you be going? And I paused for a second, and I said, well, I guess I'd be going to the church, And the Lord said, that's right. And he just kind of left it at there. And I knew what the Lord was doing. Um, I had already started to take days off from the studio and and begin to spend them at the church. And I knew that the Lord was trying to push me towards being here at the church more and even even full time. But the, the problem was I was making a good amount of money just working three days a week at... uh, the studio. About half of, a little more than half of my annual income was coming from the studio there. But I, I knew the day would be coming eventually when the Lord would say, just go. So I began to speak with, with my wife, Lisa. And at first we were thinking, well, we'll just sell our half of the business to, to my partner and we'll have that money. We'll put it in the bank and, and we'll live off of that for a while. Um, but the more that we talked about it and the more that I prayed about it, I knew the Lord was saying, just give it away. Just walk away from it, just let it go. And um, that was scary. That was a scary moment. Started talking to the kids about it, that the Lord is saying, you know, my time is coming. And in a, in a, in a moment of uh, uh, faith, I guess you would say, I walked into to the studio and told my partner that I was gonna be leaving. Now, of course, I pushed it ahead a little ways. You know, we don't ever do anything right now, do we? It it was 
still in the summer. I said, well, after the first of the year sometime, I'll leave. Okay. And I told him, you know, what the Lord had said, I'm just going to give it to you. Uh, You don't owe me anything. And so the first of the year came around and January and February were generally slow times for us, but we got a couple of big industrial projects that came in. So we were working on that. And then as we were getting into April and May and June, that was always our busy season, so I just kept working. And then we got down into the end of August and I'm still working. Elise has already left for college and I'm sitting at the breakfast table one morning uh, reading my Bible and my youngest child came out and if you've ever tried to speak with Hannah early in the morning, it goes something like this. Good morning, Hannah. Mm. 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 Not, a, not, a, not a lot, of, kind of a caveman grunt. That's, that's what you get from Hannah. And usually she would come out, she would get a cup of coffee, she would get a bowl of cereal and she would just sit there over it and all of her hairs hanging down. Kind of looked like Cousin It. Anybody remember Cousin It? Just kind of sitting there. And this morning, I'm, didn't seem like any special morning, but she kind of parts those bangs and she looks over at me and she said, um, I thought you were leaving glow in the dark. And of course, I begin to tell her, well, well, baby, you just don't understand. You know, I've got some financial obligations. I've got this, I've got that. And she's just looking at me, one eye open, the other one's still asleep. And she goes, but, but I thought God told you to do it. And then she dropped the curtains and went back to eating. <laughs> and I knew it was the Lord. I kind of had that feeling like Balaam must have had when his donkey spoke to him and told him what the Lord was saying. <laughs> but I knew it was God. I knew it was God. So I went in the studio that day and I told my business partner, I said, as soon as I'm finished with the project that I'm working on, I'm gone. Had about three weeks to finish this one project, said, I'm gone, I'm out. And he said, about time. So when the last day came and I walked out of the studio for the last time and I went and I got in my car and I started to drive home, just all this emotion and it it was just weird. But the Lord began to speak to me and he said, there was something that I wanted to show you that I could never show you. There was something I wanted to deliver you from that I could never deliver you from until you took this step of faith. And the Lord began to show me how I had been living under a curse of poverty Because I worked and worked and worked and worked and we could just never, ever seem to get ahead. We were always, always behind. But the Lord said that the power of obedience in that time. Now, don't think that the fear just suddenly went away or anything like that, because it didn't. But the Lord said, I'm, I'm putting you on a path of deliverance and because you were willing to take this step and see your income cut in half and trust me in it, 
I'm gonna deliver you. I'm gonna set you free from this. And the Lord actually gave me a dream just a few days after that. Now, I know you're like me, so don't start throwing any stones. We want God to do something quickly, don't we? Do you know deliverance isn't always just like that? It can be, but there are times when, when we've gotta walk the path. There are times that we've gotta stay in it with, with God. And the Lord gave me a dream. And in this dream, my family was living in my father's house. And if you ever have a dream and you're living in your father's house, I can almost guarantee it has something to do with generational things going on there. So we're living in my father's house and a tornado is coming. And I'm running through the house telling the girls, you know, to get to the, to the guest bathroom because... That's where you have to go when a tornado's coming, right? In everybody's house, you go to the guest, the guest bathroom, right? right? Am I wrong? No, okay, thank you. Thank you, Chase. So I'm telling the girls, go to the, go to the guest bathroom, and I'll meet you in there, and I'm running through the house, and I'm opening the windows, and I'm pulling the, the mattress off the bed because we're all gonna get in the tub together, and I'm gonna put the mattress over the, the tub, and I, I go down there, and the girls are not in there. They're in the master bath, and they're putting on makeup. They're getting ready. They're doing all this stuff, and I'm, I'm freaking out, and, and, and I run outside, and there's this huge black tornado coming right at the house and the wind, I'm feeling the wind. And just as it gets to the house, it completely dissipates. And then I look in the distance and there's a gray tornado coming. And then past the gray tornado, there's a white tornado. And I woke up and I knew what the Lord was saying to me, three years. We want God to move quickly. But understand, in God's time, three years is pretty quick, right? I knew he was showing me that that first year, it was dark, it was ugly, it was gonna be trying, but it wasn't gonna touch us. Because the moment that it got right up on us, it was completely gone. And the second year wasn't gonna be quite as hard and it really wasn't because we walked through that first year trusting God. It was tough at times. There were tears at times. It was, you know, you're telling God, my child just went to college. That's not the best time to cut my salary in half, Lord. <laughs> as Elise says, amen. But the second year wasn't quite as hard. Why? Because we were learning trust. We were walking in faith. And that by the time that the third year came, it was almost like there wasn't anything going on. But what happened is, not only did I get to learn faith through it, and Lisa got to learn faith through it, but the kids got to learn faith through it as well. So the Lord wants you, listen to me right now. The Lord wants to bless you. The Lord wants his people prosperous. But what we're gonna look at today is how do we break away from, from this world system to truly begin to use the finances that the Lord is putting in our life for the kingdom? Because it's not just about what I have and what I can get. Now, I know that's the American way. I get a raise, so I get a new car. 
I get a raise, I get a new house. But God's looking for a people who would say, I get a raise, what does the kingdom get? Because we're gonna be kingdom minded. Now people get really kind of nervous and antsy when the preacher starts talking about money. I'm not gonna take up an offering, okay? I'm gonna ask you to pray about some things. But we're not taking up an offering this morning. All right, have you found 1 Timothy 6? If you hadn't found it by now, you're not gonna find it, so we're gonna move on. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10. For the love of money is a root of all sorts of evil, and some, by longing for it, have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Now, once again, this, this is not the normal sermon that I would, I would come with. This comes right out of my, my own devotional time. So it's going to seem a little bit different. And I'm, 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 I'm a theology nerd. I'm, I'm sorry. I love looking up things in the Greek and, and just getting a deeper look at, at what words mean. So I'm going to give you several words this morning just to break down what we're talking about. For the love of money is the root of all sorts of evil, and, by, and some, by longing for it, have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Now, the word love right there, this is the only time that this word is used in this form in the entire Bible, and it, it means, it literally means avarice. And for the Aggies in the room, let me uh, give you the definition of avarice. Avarice is an insatiable greed, an inordinate miserly desire or gain to hang on to, to gain or to hang on to wealth. An inordinate desire to gain or to hang on to wealth. So this word right here, it's not just, hey, I kind of like money. Oh, money is so good, I will pet it and keep it and love it. There's something, there is a spirit attached to this. There is a spirit that says, it's mine, I'm gonna hold on to it. I have this desire to gain and to hang on to everything that I have. And I know what half of you are thinking right now, I don't love money, I don't have enough of it to love. <laughs> right? I don't love money, but, but look at it. It's not just talking about having it and holding it. It's not just greed, but it's also the fear of not having enough. Therefore, making money the answer to all my problems. Now the world will tell you that. If you just have enough money, all your problems are gone. You can pay somebody to do something. If I had enough money, I'd never mow my yard again. Somebody else would do it. I hate mowing the yard. There's nothing wrong with hiring somebody to mow your yard. But that is not the answer to my problems. It's twisted thinking. This is what the Lord was speaking to me. The Lord said, that is twisted thinking because we make money, not God, the source of my needs being met. Therefore, elevating money to the position of controlling my life and devaluing the work of the Lord in my life. Don't need to read that again. The Lord said there was twisted thinking. This is me. I remember this whole time, this is what the Lord is saying to me. The Lord told me I had twisted thinking and that money 
not him, not God, was the source, I thought was the source of my needs being met. Therefore, I was elevating money to the position of controlling my life and devaluing the work of God in my life. And there were deeper lies. The lie that God will not provide for me. Have you ever seen God provide for everybody else around you? And it's like, where's mine, God? Where's mine, God? Where's mine? And we begin to believe that lie. Well, maybe I've done something wrong. Maybe I've missed God somewhere. Maybe there's sin in my life. And maybe there is. But that's not the first place we need to be looking. That's the enemy pushing on you. There's something wrong with you. The lie that God would not provide for me. The lie that God is unjust and holding out on me. And the biggest lie of all, that I cannot trust God to be faithful to his promises. Therefore, I must strive to make everything happen myself. Striving, working more, working harder to make more money. But striving is not just in the form of the working. Striving can be in the form of worry. You ever worry about how things are gonna get done? And you get into striving about how, how's this gonna work? How are we gonna make this work? How are we gonna make this happen? There was a time in my life, in, in the year 2010, I had five jobs. Five jobs, nobody called me lazy. I had five jobs. Worked at the, the video studio, that was full time. Uh, the knuckle-headed teenagers around here, that was definitely full time. I was, uh, I had three part-time jobs. One of them I had to do five nights a week. So no matter when I got finished, if we were on a shoot, if I was editing with somebody, there were times when I was going in at midnight to, to do this job. And it was at the Tyler Christian Preschool owned by Pastor Sam and Yvette Fisher that I went there and I cleaned up at night. And... There was one day that I was in there, and it happened, happened to be a good day. I, I loved to go in there when things were going well, and, and I would pray over it. I'm not trying to make you think that I'm more spiritual than I am, because there were times that I was dragging in there, I was tired, and I was not happy to be there. But there was times that I would go in there, and I'm just praying as I'm cleaning, wiping out those little chairs, praying over those little butts that were going to sit in that chair, <laughs> just praying. And I, I was mopping up, and just really... I. I was in a good mood. I was actually worshiping and praying and I'm just mopping. And does God ever come in and mess up your good time? Does he ever do that to you? Just drop a little truth bomb on you and go, God, I didn't want to hear that right now. Can't you tell I was in a good mood? You give me one of those when, I, when I'm already in a bad mood, okay? So I'm just mopping and I'm just, I'm just praising and the Lord just says, you're giving me a cane offering and just stops me in my tracks. And if you don't understand what I mean by that, Cain and Abel were the, the first two children born to Adam and Eve. Abel brought the Lord a sacrifice, an offering worthy of the Lord. He brought it from his first fruit. He, he, he was a shepherd and he brought it of, of the first of, of the lambs. But Cain was a farmer and he brought the leftovers. And he's like, here you go, God. And the Lord was saying, you're giving me your leftovers. You're not trusting me 
you're giving me a Cain offering. And there I was, you know, being a man, I'm going to provide for my family. And, and the Lord was saying, this is not the way I want you to provide for your family. And being a man of faith and power like I was, I didn't do anything about it. I just kept mopping. I came back the next week and I kept mopping. And I kept mopping until Yvette Fisher fired me. She told me, don't you come back in this place. But that's not what the Lord wanted from me. So let's look at God's foolproof solution for the love of money. And that, this is where we're going over to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 19. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot, everybody say cannot. cannot. You cannot serve God and wealth or even the desire for wealth. Once again, you may say, I don't have a desire for wealth. I just want to be able to take care of my family and my responsibilities. Now, doesn't that sound good and humble? I just want to take care of me and mine, Lord. That's, that's all I need. But you know, that's a trap. That is a trap from the enemy. It's, it sounds good. It sounds humble. But reality, we're still elevating the need for provision above God. And if we really break it down, it's selfishness. Just bless me and mine, God. Just bless me and mine. That's all we need, me and mine. I don't care about those people over there. I'm not even looking at them, me and mine. But do you know that God wants to pour into you so you can pour into others? Do you understand that the, the, the church in the book of Acts, one of the reasons that it grew so quickly Yes, there were miracles going on all the place, all over the place, but one of the reasons it grew so quickly was because they poured their money into the kingdom and they brought in the widows and they brought in the orphans and they took care of people. So they were like, well, my gods aren't taking care of people. That, that, that God they're talking about over here, Jesus, those people take care of you. So we don't ever get to the place where we're saying it's just me and mine. Just bless me. Just help me get by, Lord. We don't want to ever be that, that way. Jesus goes on to say in verse 25, for this reason, for what reason? The reason that you cannot serve God and wealth. For this reason... The reason you can't be bound to money either through pride or worry and truly follow God's plan and desire for your life. For this reason, I say, do not be worried about your life. Do not be worried about your life. The King James says, take no thought. Take no thought. Oh, I'm sorry. Somebody's playing some music. Take no thought. The Greek there, the word thought means to be anxious. 
It comes from two root words. Now get this, it comes from two root words, to divide and to distract. So when he's saying, take no thought, when he is saying, take no thought, he is saying, don't be anxious, don't be divided, don't be distracted from what I've called you to do. Verse 31, do not worry. Do not worry, do not be anxious, do not be divided, do not be distracted by the things that you need to live this life God has called you to. For the Gentiles, the Gentiles are what the Jews called people that were outside of a relationship with God. Don't worry, don't be distracted, don't be divided, for the, for the Gentiles eagerly seek they're anxious, they're divided, they're distracted, trying to get for themselves. Why? Why does God not want us divided? Why does he not want us distracted? For your heavenly father. For your heavenly father, the one who sought you out, the one that adopted you into his family. And he adopted you so he could pour his goodness, pour his grace, pour his provision on you. Your heavenly father knows that you need these things. So let me say it again, because I know I'm breaking it down and running all over the place. Don't be worried about your life. Do not worry. Do not be anxious. Do not be divided. Do not be distracted by these things. For those who don't know God, this is what they, they're always going after. This is what they're chasing after. But you don't have to because your heavenly father knows what you have need of. Verse 33, but, 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 you wouldn't think that the preacher would stop it, but, but I did. But, because you are in this love relationship with your heavenly father who has everything under control, but seek first, seek first, first in thought, First in actions, that word seek right there means worship, desire, require, first, seek first, worship first, desire first, require first, his kingdom and his righteousness. His kingdom and his righteousness. And if you do that, all these things will be added unto you. All these things, what things? All these things that the Gentiles are running after. Everything that they're striving for. Everything that they're being distracted and divided about. God knows what you have need of. He knows what you have need of. So don't spend your time being distracted and divided from the kingdom of God. Seek the kingdom first. Seek the kingdom first. And if you seek the kingdom, your heavenly father, who knows what you have need of, We'll make sure that you have what you need. Thank you, God. Golf clap. God, you're so good. I bless you, Father. Sorry. You're going to clap, clap. <laughs> Thank you. Not for me, obviously. For those of you sitting out there, boy, he just wanted them to clap for him, didn't he? No. Clap for the Father. All right, so you got, you got that, right? <laughs> yeah. 
You got it. Okay, so take what we just talked about out of Matthew chapter 6. Now let's go back to 1 Timothy 6, and we'll finish with this, okay? Flip back to 1 Timothy, thinking about everything that we just talked about out of Matthew chapter 6. 1 Timothy 6.10, for the love of money is a root, excuse me, is a root of all sorts of evil. Greek word there, evil, means injurious, harmful, noxious. So the love of money brings you injury, brings you harm. And longing for it, some have wandered away from the faith. Longing for money. Some have wandered away from the faith. That word faith there means persuasion of God's truthfulness, reliance on Christ. So listen to it this way. For the love, we've already uh, broken that down. The love, the miserly desire to gain and to keep money is a root Have you ever seen a root? I don't know about your house. I've got these nasty pine trees at my house and those roots go everywhere. I mean, pine tree roots just never stop growing and they they, they pop up some places and you trip over them and they bust up the cement and terrible. Roots are everywhere. And I think about a root going down into into your mind, into your emotions. The love of money is a root of all sorts of evil that desire to gain and to keep and to hang on to money is a root that is harmful to you. And some, now he's talking about Christians because you can't walk away from the faith unless you've been in the faith, right? He's talking to Christians and some by longing for it have wandered from their reliance on Christ. Some, by seeking after money, have wandered away from the persuasion of God's truthfulness. And the end of the scripture says, and they've pierced themselves with many griefs. They've pierced themselves with many griefs. Verse 11, but flee from these things. Flee from these things. And pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Now we hear that verse quoted a lot. Fight the good fight of faith. Fight the good fight of faith. But he was talking about money when he said fight it. He was talking about provision when he's saying fight it. Now, it doesn't mean we don't fight in faith in other areas of our lives. But Paul was saying, this is that important, that you need to fight for these things. Fight the good fight of faith. Faith Faith without test is theory. If I had never taken that step to, to, to move away from the business that I owned, I would not be here today. I wouldn't be. 
God asks us to take steps. And quite often, God asks us to take steps financially. Why? Because he knows what a hold it has on us. God doesn't need your money. God doesn't have a mortgage that's behind or anything like that. God's got everything that he needs. What does he need to do? He needs to help you learn to be in the place where he can trust you with finances so you can pour it into the kingdom. If our heart is always just me and mine, he's not gonna pour through you. If your heart is always to spend it on you, he's not gonna pour it through you. But if your heart is to be that conduit of God's love, God's provision, God's mercy, he's gonna pour it through you. To the degree that you allow him to work in your life is the degree to which he will pour through you.